Welcome to Aliyah Yami. Today we're going to be learning together Balak Shishi, the sixth Aliyah of Pashas Balak. And the topic is Bilam's third blessing. Our, our Aliyah is 17 Sukim long from Perakhov Gimel Chav Zayn to Perakhov Dalad Yud Gimel. Basic summary and then some points to ponder. So we hear now that Balak takes Bilam to the third place to see that if Hashem will allow him to curse. So he goes to a place called Rosh HaPa'or, which overlooks the desert. And this time he sees all of Israel. Bilam asks him to build another seven altars, and he's going to bring another seven bulls and seven oxen. At which point, Bilam understood that if Hashem wants to bless Israel, so he does not want to go in the way of sorcery, rather he turns to face the desert. At which point, he sees all of Israel and Israel dwelling in their tribes, and he, the spirit of Hashem um, descended upon him. And he now returns to Balak, and he gives the following description, the famous words, Yisrael talks about the goodliness of the tents, of Israel, he talks of these these very complicated images about the canals and rivers which are planted by Hashem, which run out and the tributaries flow out and flow from the bucket which Hashem allows the water to flow from. He talks about again how Hashem takes them out of Egypt and does great wonders for them. Crouches like a young lion and cannot be raised easily. Another image of a lion, like the second blessing, and he talks about finally he concludes about how. Those who are blessed are blessed, and those who are cursed you are, will, will also be cursed. Now, at this point in time, Balak is so angry, he claps his hands in anger and reprimands Bilam for cursing uh, when he was actually hired to, uh, for blessing when he was hired to um, curse. Um, he tells Bilam to run away back to your place in shame. I can't give you any honor. I can't give you any payment for what you've done. And Bilam once again reiterates that he cannot transgress the word of Hashem. So this is the third blessing over here, very famous, famous blessing. So let's just take a look at a few basic points to ponder in today's Aliyah. So first of all, again, back to the places. Why is that Balak is the one who found the place called Rosh HaPa'or? So Rashi explains that he saw that in the future, Israel would very soon serve Pa'or, Baal Pa'or, in this place. And... Um, and this would be where they would sin. So knowing that they would stumble here, perhaps he thought the, the stumbling they would have would be through the curse, but it wasn't. But he, he thought that maybe there would be an opportunity to utilize this weakness in this spot as well. Now, what, what is the difference this time about turning his face to the desert? Like how is Bilam trying to circumvent Hashem in this case? So Rashi says he was trying to run away from Hashem. And since going with Hashem is not really helping, it's giving blessings, so he thought maybe he'll focus on the sins of Israel. So he focused on the desert, uh, which was all the sins that Israel had um, committed in the desert as well. And this is how the Targum explains it, the Miraglim and the, uh, the, the Egel Azov. So he's looking towards that to try to find the negativity to capitalize on that. So then suddenly he sees the camps of Israel and he's taken by that. The spirit of Hashem descends on him and he talks about Matov So what's the point? Why is the camp of Israel so fundamental and so transformative to Bilam? It seems that this even triggered this, this, this good prophecy. So Rashi says he looked and very famously saw that they, they, they lived not looking at each other's business. They lived all very humbly. Their entrances weren't facing each other's entrances. They weren't looking into each other's houses. They weren't talking about the property price on Zillow of each other's tents. They were just, they were just happy where they were. The Arachim says, no, it actually refers to the tents as metaphoric as the commitment to Torah and ultimately the base of Migdash and Mishkan. Some of the even say it's Mishkan versus Migdash in the two explanations over here. Um, so he's looking at the future. These are the, the, the assets, these are the merits that they have as well. In fact, the Balaturim explains that you see the six 
words in this Pasuk, which are connected, corresponding to the six places where the Mishkan actually lived. And those are Nov, Givon, Gilgal, Shiloh, and uh, the two base of Batei Migdash. So it's referring to the future. These are the tents. Not just the tents that he sees in the desert, but the future tents as well. The Chida, in one of his explanations in this Pasuk, in his commentary, Chomas Anach, explains that it refers to the body and the soul. That's so the Matovu Alecha Yaakov, the temporary Ohel, the tent is the body and the soul. He's giving the blessing on how the, the two, that Israel is able to have the two interacting and interdependent on one another, the temporary and the everlasting, and how good the portion of Israel is with those two together. Now, what was that Bilam really wanted to say? So the, the Dasa Kenim um, from the Balayatosos quote the Gemara in Sanhedrin in Perikhelek, which uh, explains that from this blessing, you can see all the things he wanted to say. So he wanted that the Shechina would not reside upon Israel, and that's why he was forced to say, Mishkan Osecha Yisrael, that the Hashem dwelled among Israel. He wanted it to be that their their kingship would not last, therefore he was told, forced to say, Kinecholim Nitoyu like rivers they were planted. He wanted to say that you would not have any fields or, or, or real estate. And that's why he was forced to say, like these gardens upon the river. He wanted to, to, to say that they should not have any influence in the world. That's why they, he said, Hashem made them like these tents, fragrant tents. Um, he wanted to say that there would not be kings, future kings, who are strong and tall. That's why he says, He was forced to say that they'll be like these cedars upon the water, very tall and lofty. He wanted to say that they're not going to have a, a longevity of kings, not a king, the son of a king. Therefore, he says, That the water would flow from his buckets, which means a continuity. He wanted to say that the, that the, their their kingdom would not control other nations. Therefore, he had to say, Rabim, his, his seed over much water. And he wanted to say that their king, kingdom would not be so strong. Therefore, he says, He wanted to say that there will not be a continuation of their kingdom. It will be a short spurt and gone. And that's why he had to say, Their kingship will be erased. So all the negative um, statements and sentiments that he wished to uh, to shed upon Israel were counteracted over here by his own blessings. His own blessings were stopping short every curse that he wanted to say as well. A few basic notes on this aliyah, and that one is that ma toivu Yaakov, that ma, that word is always the top of a column, is a tradition that um, some Sefer Torah are written with, with what's called Vovei Ha'amudim, which means that all the columns start with a Vov, almost connecting it to one continuous idea. Um, not all Torahs are like that, but every Torah has the notion of what's called Beka Shemoy. Though that is an acronym. Those letters, Beis Yud Hei, uh, Shin Mem Vov, Beka Shemoy, are the uh, specific traditions of what starts the column. And one of those is the Mem of Shemoy, is Ma which traditionally starts at the top of the column. Bekashamai means with the name of Hashem. And that means to say Hashem's name is always, so to speak, hanging at the top of the, of the columns, at the forefront of our minds. And Matavalechayakov is one of those places traditionally that starts the column in every Sefer Torah as well. Um, it also should be noted that if you look at the end of the last uh, aliyahs, if you look at from Aliyah Aleph to Aliyah Vav, for the first six Aliyahs in this parsha, all of them end off with almost the identical Pasuk. Really remarkable. And that is Bilam re- uh, being told or telling that Hashem will place words in his mouth and he can't transgress the word of Hashem. So th- that seems to be almost the theme of the parsha, which is why the Aliyahs are choreographed in a way which reflects that theme, the limitation of human free will 
at the mercy of Hashem's plan as well. One last note, and that is, is that famously we know that the Midrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu Bilam was perhaps the only prophet in the world akin to Moshe Rabbeinu who saw through an Aspa Klari HaMeira through a clean lens. And you wonder, how could that be? Meaning, he is a very corrupt individual. He's a, clearly a very self-centered individual. How could he possibly have nevuah of such a level? So the Maril Diskin is a famous um, essay which is expanded upon the Orgadalia in this parasha where he says that that was precisely the point. The, a prophet experiences a nevuah through his soul and to the degree the soul is prepared is the degree that it will be interpreted or misinterpreted based on the Navi. Bilam was a corrupt individual, although he was allowed to be a prophet. He wanted to interpret the prophecy that he'd be given through his corrupt soul, thereby corrupting the interpretation of the nevuah. By, do, by doing so, he knew it would end up being a curse by taking what could have been a good prophecy and, fil and filtering it through his very corrupt spirit. Which is why Hashem made an exception here and forced through him a nevuah which was like Moshe and Aspaklari Amira, which was therefore not affected by the prophet himself. Therefore, it's clearly exactly what Hashem wanted without being tarnished by the vehicle through which it was sent. And that's why he has the same nevuah as Moshe Rabbeinu in terms of the clarity, but not because of his clarity of spirit, but despite his clarity of spirit, which is why he was not successful in permuting these visions into curses. With this, we close the sixth aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.